and minister in this rally, hallelujah, with uh, Pastor Blake and Carla. Uh, we always look so forward to being here in this church, amen, praise God. God is doing such wonderful things. What a great example this church is, amen, to a, a move of God, amen. We're seeing God do great and mighty things, and, and if God can save some of you all that I've met in this church, I know God can save anybody, hallelujah, amen. Well, I tell you what, I like to believe that uh, God saved the chief of all sinners. Amen, right here. Glory to God. I, I'm uh, delivered, set free, and sanctified. Hallelujah. Amen. We just call it a good thing. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I want to minister this morning, for uh, take just a few minutes this morning and minister on something that I believe is so uh, close and, and dear to all of our hearts. Amen. Something God is doing. But uh, how many honestly this morning can say that you battle something called discouragement? Amen. You ever gone through that? I know this morning I'm, I'm sitting here, I, I believe, and I, I really feel in my spirit that I'm ministering to real people this morning. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I'm ministering to myself. When I minister the gospel, I'm looking at myself in a mirror. Glory to God. And sometimes we don't like to see what we're looking at. You ever looked in the mirror just for uh, just a period of time and just, uh, just begin to criticize and be uh, critical and, and to think about all the things you maybe haven't done right? Or think about what you could have done uh, different to make a situation better in your life. You ever thought back raising kids and said, well, you know, maybe I could have done things just a little bit different. Or maybe I could have beat them just a little bit more. Amen. amen. I always wonder why my mom and dad didn't just beat me just a little bit more. Amen. But I know why. It's because of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. God's been so wonderful to me. Glory to God. But, uh, you know, so I want to minister on how do we cope with this thing called discouragement? How are you going to react when discouragement hits you right in the face? Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to read just a little bit here this morning out of this passage of Scripture. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, or maybe I will. Who knows how it goes. But if you have that, uh, just go ahead and say amen. Praise God. Most of you got your digital uh, Bibles out, and that's okay. Hallelujah. Amen. So it says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had ex executed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which uh, belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. Now here he's desiring to die. He says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a brown tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom, a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head, hold on, I just got lost here. There by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and they lay, they lay down again. Listen, how many, in, in the time of discouragement, honestly, how many times have you ever woke up to a, a cake baking on coals? I mean, I'm reading the scripture and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I like to talk about food when I preach. I mean, I just really do. You can tell by looking at me, I like to eat. Amen. 
But I'm thinking about this scripture, and he says, you know, here he wakes up, and there's this, this cake being baked and, and water being drunk. And, and you continue to read on further and further, and all of a sudden you see how not only did it happen once, but he wakes him up and feeds him again. And I'm thinking, of the, how in the world can this even be possible? And the angel of the Lord came back to the second time, it says, and touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. It's like somebody knocking on your door and say, hey, today's going to be rough for you. Today you're going you're gonna to hit a trial. Today you're going to walk into something. You know, you need a little bit of extra strength. You know, this little protein bar that you're eating isn't just, it's not going to be enough for you. You know, I woke up this morning. I said, well, I got to preach this morning. I wanted to eat eggs and bacon and sausage. And, you know, I saw the biscuits and the gravy sitting there. And I'm thinking, man, I am in Texas. They say everything is huge and big and wonderful in Texas. Then I look over at the cereal and the 2% milk, and I said, well, maybe I ought to just get some of this healthy stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll do a little bit better this morning. Hallelujah, amen. But sometimes we need a little bit more than just a little protein bar. Sometimes we need more. Sometimes we need a warning. Sometimes we need to know that we're about to face a trial that, that we can't even handle. And he wakes him up a second time here in this. So he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. As far as Herob, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for, for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel and, and king over Syria. Also, you shall uh, uh, anoint you know, all these different names, uh, Je Jehu and, and Jebablahu, and, and I mean, I can't hardly get through them. The son of all these different people, you shall anoint a prophet in your place, and it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of, of, of Hazel uh, who kill, who will kill, and whoever escapes from the word of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all those knee, knees, uh, have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. You know, in this particular scripture, you know, it, it's a powerful, powerful book. Powerful story. And, and you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I want to encourage you this morning. Those that came into this place today, you're, you're, you're discouraged. You're going through a time of trial. You know, you never know what you're going to go through until you're going through it. Amen. 
You never know exactly what it's going to feel like until you get there. And sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you're so numb, you don't even know how to handle it. You don't know whether to go, run, or hide. And, and you can ex- understand what this story here is talking about. And so, you know, in, in this last, maybe this year, we, we have gone through some really difficult times in our lives. And I'm going to just be straight up with you. I'm not here to cry about it. I'm not here to, 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 to talk about all the hard times that I've been through and this and that because I'm sure that there are people in this place this morning. You are going through some trials. There are pastors in this place today. You are going through some, some thoughts of unbelief and trials in your life right now. And God wants to encourage you this morning. Amen. And I believe the Lord has prepared me to minister this message to encourage you and help you to overcome this discouragement that is going on in your life today. You know, I'm telling you the truth. You can have, a, I hear people say it all the time. You know what, when, once you're saved, you don't, you don't have discouragement anymore. I mean, on, on a daily basis, I hear this all the time. People say, well, you know, when you're walking with the Lord, you know, you just, you don't get discouraged like you used to. And I'm thinking, man, I'm walking with the Lord. Last time I checked, I'm still saved. Hallelujah. But I'm really going through some really tough times, and, and I don't think you know what you're really talking about. You know, but a lot of times Christians are afraid to stand up and fight for what they believe. But I like to tell you when someone tells me that you, when you're saved, you're not going to be discouraged, uh, I like to be the one that stands up and say, you know what, I don't believe it. Because I know for a fact that my Bible has many stories uh, and many situations it talks about. Let let me tell you something. Not a single person in this world is immune to this emotion of discouragement. Not one person in this world, not one person that breathes life, breathes air, is immune to this, this, this thing called discouragement. So discouragement is common to you and I as godly people. It's, it's common. It's something that we're going to go through. In the, in the Bible, there's very, very few stories. There's many stories, actually, but a couple I just want to talk about. It's easy to uh, see certain men in the Bible who were discouraged and who were going through times of trials and, and diff- different things going on in their lives. Samson was one of them. You think of Samson. This man, uh, he was immoral. He broke his vow. Samson had a lot of things going good in his life, but he failed God. And not only did he fa- he failed God and Israel. This man, I mean, he, a lot of things were going on. And it kind of stops there. And Judas, uh, he was covetous. He betrayed the Lord. Uh, and he betrayed uh, his calling unto God. Now, I know there's no Judases in this place today. Hallelujah. How about King uh, Manasseh? Terribly discouraging days in his reign. Many things going on. But, you know, there's a few different men in the Bible. One, you know, these were men that were very successful and they were mightily used by God, even though they went through difficult trials in their life. And one of those was Moses. Moses was a man of God, uh, delivered God's people from Egypt. He had a gift, a plan of God was upon his life. He witnessed the hand of God in plagues, and he literally saw God part the Red Sea. Now, how many in this place can say that you've parted the Red Sea? I mean, to move the hand of God, we read about it. We see God do wonderful things in our lives. But what Moses had done with the power of God was amazing. Lots of different things. Water was gushing from a rock. Now, I'm telling you what, it'd be nice for us to sometimes go up, I think, of Pastor Marshall and walking up to a rock and saying, you know, give me some water. 
And I know that he's crazy enough to believe that there's going to be water coming out of that rock. He's like, wait a minute. I, I know that the water's coming. Where's it at? I mean, can you just imagine Pastor Marshall? He's going to wait for that rock. When he lays you on that chair and puts you back this gift of ministry of healing that God has given him, I'm telling you, he says, sit right in that chair, get back there, put your legs up, and, and believes God for a miracle. Amen. My wife told a lady yesterday we were ministering to someone, and she said, but I want to ask you something. She said, do you believe? It's one thing to know. It's one thing to hear. It's one thing to experience something. But do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that God can encourage you when you are discouraged? Amen. It's one thing to say yes. Woo, hallelujah, we're in church. Glory to God, I believe it. But when you're in the midst of it, when you're in that trial, can you believe that God can heal you? Can you believe that God can touch you? Let me tell you something. The, in, this, in this very uh, topic of Moses here, as I'm talking, he says, he says, take my life. He says this in despair. It isn't... Uh, it, uh, it isn't worth it, he said. And here he is talking. Jonah is another one. You think of Jonah, this, this man, this wonderful preacher, an evangelist. This man has a great call, and it's like the power of God moves, has just led the greatest revival crusade in the history of man. Here he's, I mean, how many can say that the whole city gave their lives to Jesus after you ministered and preached? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that sounds wonderful. I mean, we, we think we're, like uh, Pastor was mentioning last night, I believe Pastor Paul was saying, you know, you just really believe you can go in and change the whole world. I remember when we went into Costa Rica, Pastor Jones told us, he said, God didn't send here, you here to change these people. Because I couldn't believe these people. We would give them a story. We would give them Jesus, hope. We would tell them how wonderful our Lord was and he was doing great and mighty things, but they didn't want to change their life. And I'd call my pastor on the phone and, Pastor, man, I don't understand it. These people are really bugging me. They're frustrating me. He said, God didn't send you there to change those people. He said he sent you there. Now, he, do, he does use us to bring change. Don't get me wrong. But he said he didn't send you there to change those people. He sent you there to preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, let the message change the heart of the people. Well, you know what? You don't believe it, but that put me in a moment of discouragement. I sat down in that bagelman's, Pastor Blake, Pastor Dustin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was a heavenly place. Bagelman's. Big cinnamon roll this big. Pastor Blake, get somebody get that man a, a napkin. Hallelujah. I sat down in that bagelman's. I sat in that chair, and I began to weep. I begin to cry. I says, God, but you told me that I would make a difference. God, you said you would use me. God, you said, you said, you said. And then here came that small voice. And it was the voice of the Holy Ghost that ministered through my pastor. He said, I did not send you there to change those people. He said, God sent you there to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the word of God minister. Let God speak. Let God open up your ear and let God begin to do a work in your life. And I began to see, we, 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 to be honest with you, our eyes just began to open up. We saw families, complete families, five, six, seven, even with their dogs walking into the church. Glory to God. 
The dogs were getting saved. Man, I'll tell you what, when there's nobody getting saved and the dogs are coming and getting saved, there's hope, I'm telling you. We're all laughing about it, but it's the truth. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'll be honest with you. That's what we felt like in Phoenix for the past few years. Amen. We've been, we've been having church services in bars. We've been having church services. and I mean, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't even know what God's really been doing with us. Hallelujah. But I tell you one thing, we still have strength. We are still standing up, amen, as a family, glory to God. We are still holding on to the promise of God, amen. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes God says you need to pack up and move on. I didn't get too many amens there. Sometimes it's the most difficult decisions in your life when, when God is saying, okay, it's okay, it's time to move on. You know, because then the devil creeps in and starts saying, well, what are you going to do here? How are you going to do this? How are you going to live? How are you gonna... Man, I'll tell you what, God will move wherever I go. I believe it, amen? But I'll tell you one thing, I will be in the will of God. I will know that God is pleased and he has a plan and a purpose for me and my family, amen? That's what I believe. And so, uh, you know, we've, we've made some decisions in our lives. My wife and I, were it, it's out, everybody knows about it, but we're moving to Denton, Texas, amen? Praise God. And we're not failures. Hallelujah. Amen. We're not failures. We, we believe that this is what God has us to do. Amen. And I say it with a smile. I'm, I'm more blessed. My wife and I have more peace in our life and our children. We have more peace right now in our life than we've had in a really long time. Because we know that God is standing behind us. You know, God gave me this mouth to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether I'm preaching it from a pulpit or I'm on an outreach or glory to God, just visiting your house while you're cooking for me. Glory to God. That last part you might not have heard. So I said, I like to eat. Hallelujah. I like country food. You know, I know this isn't Missouri. Show me, but show me state. But, you know, Texas, they say y'all cook good here, too. I'm about to find out. Amen. And I'll tell you one thing, discouragement sets in when, when you're loading up the U-Haul. Oh, this big old yellow truck, they sent me down there to pick it up. Penske truck, 26-foot truck, and then the news comes out, there's going to be high winds coming. And I'm thinking, man, what in the world's going on? What are we doing? Be honest with me, did you think that too? What in the world are we doing? We loaded the truck. We announced it last Wednesday night, and, and I'll tell you what, the, the, all the men in my church were there on, Sunday, on the next couple of days loading up that truck for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And I got my own thoughts, but I'm not going to share those. Hallelujah, amen. But I'm going to be honest with you. We loaded up that truck. We got on the highway, and I'm telling you, the wind was blowing. Semis were all over the place. You all know what happened. You guys drove here. I'm in a 26-foot tr truck, this thing all over the place, and the water's coming in through the handle rails, dripping onto my legs. And I'm telling you, it, it was amazing, man. But doubt begins to creep in. What in the world are you doing? And then when you pull up to the storage unit, you start unloading that bad boy up, start filling up that storage unit. All of a sudden, here comes the devil. What are you going to do now? Oh, you big baby, you big sissy. Oh, you just going to run? No, I'm not a big sissy. Hallelujah. I believe that this is what God has for me and my family. Amen. And I'm not going to die in a place, uh, you know, where, where God is not doing, what, well, you know, the people of God aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. We got wonderful people in our church. 
And they're going to be put in a great place. We're going to put them in with Pastor Gould in Mesa. They're going to have to travel to Mesa. But glory to God, it's a great place for them. God, Pastor Gould is excited, amen. Uh, you know, Gabby's here from our church. And, and you know, Gabby is, is uh, like our daughter to us. And she knows that. But she's marrying our son, Gio. Hallelujah, amen. I'm his second dad. Glory to God. One day. <laughs> Grayland's sitting up here looking at me like, what? Oh, my, I guess I jumped the gun on that one, huh? <laughs> Don't worry, brother. It hasn't been talked about, okay? <laughs> and her mama would say the same. <laughs> Praise God. So that thing called discouragement jumps in. You know, remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul here, the greatest of apostles, in God's estimation says that he despaired even of life when he was in Asia. Think about that. These are men that were used by God. Powerful men of God. Powerful testimonies. Elijah, this great prophet, falls under a juniper tree before God, and he says, take my life. It isn't worth it. He's ready to give up. Throw in the towel. Maybe there's somebody here like that today. Maybe you feel like, you know, what, what, what do I have to do? Or, or you feel like, maybe, maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you're going through something, a trial in your own life right now. Let me tell you the truth this morning. God has a plan, and his plan is in motion in your life. His plan is in motion. Whether it's that big truck driving down the highway, or you're loading up a U-Haul, or whatever the case might be, filling up a storage unit, nobody knows, but God knows what's going on in your life. Amen? You see in the story in our, in our text this morning, Ahab runs to Jezebel. And he tells how the man of God had killed all the prophets with a sword. We read it. We just got done reading it. The, the king pours out his complaint uh, to this dominating wife of his. Uh, he pours it out. He's telling the story. Uh, and she takes matters in her own hands. How many know a wife will take matters in her own hands? And so will a husband, but in this particular story, that's the way it goes. Jezebel put a contract on Elijah's life. He says, I'm going to have you killed in a matter of hours, and if that doesn't happen, may the gods that I worship do worse to me than, uh, than I plan to do to you. Huh. In verse 3, Elijah was afraid. He's afraid. I'm talking, this is a powerful, this is a man of God. A man with power and anointing in his life. Here in verse 3, it says he was afraid. And she found the, 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 the kink in his armor and the devil used it in her words. Through her words. The devil began to, to, to creep in uh, into his life uh, all because of the words that this woman was speaking to him. He arose and he ran for his life uh, to the southernmost section that he loved, Beersheba. And he runs off and, and here he walked into the wilderness to find a place to die. In verse 4, we read it. He said, I'm going to find this place. You ever been so discouraged you went off to this favorite place where you just like to go? I remember in Colorado Springs, there was this one place where I just loved to go all the time. Someone might even know of the place. It might even be your favorite place to go. I don't know. Monument Valley Park, there's a tree that goes right up and over the, a lake. There's a little tiny lake there. 
You probably remember Shauna and Tyler, Pastor Tyler got married there. But that tree, ever since I was a young teenager, I remember going to that place and sitting up on that tree and just thinking and letting God work with me and deal with me. Do you have a place that you can go to? Do you have a place when you're discouraged, you want to run, and, and you feel like this prophet, you feel like this man of God, where you say, you know, I feel like there's no hope for me that, that I would just go and die and, and, and have no more life? You ever thought that, you know, maybe I'll, I'll just go to this place and things will be over with, and, and now all of a sudden I'll be better? But you know, it doesn't always work out that way. You see, he was afraid. Let's consider why Elijah was so discouraged. First, Elijah didn't think realistically. He wasn't thinking realistically. Who would take seriously the words of this, of this domineering, uncovered, demon-possessed Jezebel? Amen? Why would he even pay any attention to these words? People in the world have a habit of, of, of just shouting out and spouting out very difficult things. Things that you're going through. You know what? Somebody will call you out in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, you know, well, you, you know, you're, you, this is because you did this and you did this. No, listen, you know when your heart is right, when you're walking right with God and God is moving, people are being saved, God is doing something powerful, and the devil steps in in a moment of time and robs you of a child. Steps in and, and, and something happens in a marriage, uh, something happens in a relationship, but all of a sudden the devil comes against you and begins to work against God's plan in your life. You know, Elijah didn't even stop to prayer, bind the enemy in prayer. Sometimes we react and we just run to that hiding place. Uh, we run to that place of discouragement uh, where we know we can just sit there and have a pity party and we don't even call on God. I mean, we all have done this. We go to this place, we run, we hide, we, we sulk, we discourage our own selves with our own words. Pastor Jones recently is on this, he's, he's, you know, this revelation that he's coming up with now, and it's powerful. It's talking about, you know, your words can discourage and your words can lift you up and encourage. We need to watch our words, the things we say to one another, the things that we do to one another. We need to watch those speak positively into each other's lives and speak a blessing into each other's lives. You know, our memory of the past is stronger than our memory of the present. Oh, we can remember everything you've ever done. If you don't believe it, just wait till you get home and your wife starts bringing up things you've done 10 years ago. You're like, honey, how do you remember that? I, I mean, I don't even remember that happening. She's like, well, are you crazy? You don't remember how you hurt me? And I cried for three days straight. I'm like, honey, I thought you were crying because you were hurt. I thought you had a splinter in your finger. I didn't know what was going on. We're oblivious to it. But they don't forget. Words hurt. They cut. They pierce. They destroy. They discourage. They send you off into a place of discouragement where you begin to tear yourself down, where you begin to eat yourself up with false words and negativity. You know, Johnny Tanyon, you're here this morning. I'm looking over at you and Perla. I just found out about Mama. I'm so sorry. She's in heaven. But I want you to know something. That woman, and I called her mommy. She loved me and I loved her. 
And I told mommy, I says, your words of encouragement have encouraged me and strengthened me out of all the years of being in ministry and being walking as a child of God. The words of mommy have always been there in my heart. This woman had a heart to encourage and to strengthen and to lift up. And it always came in a time when I was the lowest that I could ever be. And I don't even have the opportunity to share that with her. I'll wait till I get to heaven. Hallelujah. But I know for a fact she knows it. Because that's who she was in God. And she came to me. And every time I was in that place of, of, of the low discouragement. And my own mother's one that did that. And still does it in my life. But God will always put someone in your life to encourage you and strengthen you. You see, Elijah experienced the aftermath of a victory. First Kings 18, God Almighty provides himself by fire in the face of the opposition forces. Things that came against him and fire literally fell uh, from heaven and sucked up the water. And I'm telling you what, it was, it was uh, from those running trenches that the water was just uh, evap sucked up. And, and Elijah comes down from the mountain of victory and the devil is mad. He is ticked off. Amen. Isn't that what happens? Devil gets mad. You see, one thing we need to know, one thing we need to remember is that we are most vulnerable after a time of great victory. After a time of great victory is when you are most vulnerable. You say, why is that? Well, that's a pretty good question. Pastor Paul might want to answer that one for us all. <laughs> But, you know, we're reading one story after the next of how God would do such powerful things. How God would uh, just encourage and strengthen, build up, and then, boom, here comes the devil. Steals your joy. Am I talking to real people this morning? Isn't this how it works in our life? All of a sudden, the devil comes in and judo chops us. Uh, he gets mad. He gets upset. Uh, and here we are. We, we just had a victory. And now we're at the most vulnerable point in our lives. In our lives. Did you know that one of the most difficult times of the year is after Christmas and New Year's? After they've just celebrated parties, everybody hanging out, family together. Most difficult time for suicide. The, the, the number one, the, 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 the roughest time of year for those types of things is right after the New Year's and Christmas. People have celebrated, people have gotten together, encouraged one another, and then boom, that's when discouragement sets in. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to be happy. The devil wants to steal your joy. The devil wants to come in and he wants to destroy you. He wants to do something that, that you never thought you could ever stoop to. Take you to that level where you're going to be so discouraged and beat up. So after there's a high, frequently there's a low. You're going to go up and then you're going to go down. Up and then down. See, he was physically and emotionally spent. Now, let me tell you something about being physically and emotionally spent. I'm not talking about having a, a job where you go out and you work hard and you're sweating all day and you're working the muscles and you're just tired. I'm talking about where you are just physically and emotionally spent on the things that are going on in life. Did you know that we cause those, own, those things in our own lives? We're going up and down. We just talked about up and down. Here in Dallas, here in Texas, you have all these streets that go up and down. 
up and down. I'm thinking, God, there ain't no snow right now. But I'll tell you, I had a friend years and years ago. He used to live here in Texas. He told me, yeah, man, I, I destroyed my life. I, I, I was drinking, and I didn't see uh, uh, these hills go up and down. That's all I remember him telling me was how the hills go up and down. And when I was driving here in this big truck, I'm, I'm looking. These hills are going up, and they're going down, and they're going up, and they're going down. And discouragement kicks in, all because of something I heard 30 years ago. A story that I heard or somebody had told me something that happened to them 30 years ago, and I'm discouraged today because of it. That's how it works. And, but here we are. We are creating our own torment in our own minds. Here we're fabricating stories. Here we're, we're, we're trying to be the best at what, what we can be instead of just trusting God and letting God be who God is. Amen. You know that God has a plan for our lives. And really what God wants us to do is he wants us to step aside, get out of his way, and let him do what he wants to do in our lives. And so many times we're discouraged and we're battling and we're fighting and we're going up and down in life because we have drawn out a plan for our own life. We said, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to do this. Instead of just letting God be God and let God bless you all the way. You know, I've owned a window cleaning company for quite a few years. And I love to tease all the guys, but one that really got me was Josh and Elena, Pastor Josh and Elena, my, my niece and nephew. Hallelujah. I love you both so much. But I remember just a few years back where they, they owned Squeaky Clean in, in Colorado Springs. And, you know, one thing he said to me years ago, and it, and it was amazing, it was, it was funny to hear. But he, he said something. He says, we keep getting these Uncle Mario jobs come through. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's an Uncle Mario job? <laughs> and I called Elena one day, and she says, well, you know, an Uncle Mario job. You know, when you used to do them for a dollar a window. <laughs> I didn't get discouraged, I promise you. I actually got really happy. And the reason I got really happy is because, yeah, we would all love to win a jackpot lottery somewhere. I don't play the lottery, but we would like to win the lottery, wouldn't we? Oh, if I can just win that lottery, I won't tell anybody who I am. Nobody would have to know. I'll just stay anonymous. You don't have to mention my name. Just give me the money, honey. Hallelujah. But you know one thing that I always thought about as, I, as, as, as God gave me a plan for that business. Let me tell you what. I always had this thought come through my mind. It would be wonderful to get one guy to give me a million dollars. I would love to clean the biggest house. Lord, let me clean your mansion's windows, hallelujah, for a million dollars. I'll even do yours for free, Lord, but, you know, it'd be worth a million dollars. Then I stopped and I thought, yes, that would be nice. But, you know, I'm going to have to work for everything that I get. I'm going to have to put effort into everything that God gives me. And when I put those prices out there, believe me, $1 per pane of glass per side. Oh, Isaac, you remember exactly those days, don't you? Yeah, it was a long time ago, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It was amazing. $1 at a time. And I'm talking climbing them big ladders, $1 at a time. $1 at a time. They still have, uh, Victor, you still have those clients there in Colorado Springs where they're just a dollar a window, and you wish that those prices would never have been set. But do you realize it's those clients that have caused this business to be so successful for all these years? 
And those same clients, I, I had a financial question the other day, and I got to call. I called Victor. I said, hey, what's the phone number for this? And Josh and Elena had sent me some emails with some contact information in there. So I went in and found a phone number that I was looking for. And I called Bill Miller up, and I called him on the phone. Pastor Paul says, give him a call and ask him. You know, it was very helpful. It pays to help. It pays to ask somebody. It pays to know. You know, I'm the owner of the company, and I'm still asking people, hey, could you help me? Can you encourage me a little bit? Can you help me? I, need, I got some questions for you. And they're like, yeah, well, who owns Squeaky Clean now? I said, oh, you'll love him. His name is Victor Diaz. Uh, he's a wonderful man. He's doing great, him and his wife. They're good people, good business people, and God's blessing them. Tell him to put me on the books. Tell him to put me on the schedule. Amen. You know what? A dollar window is still working. And if we could have the attitude that, you know what, yes, it's wonderful to make a lot of money. It's wonderful to go out there and just sit in a, in a big pot of money. How many would love that? Wouldn't that be great? But you know what? One dollar at a time, it adds up. In the kingdom of God. See, sometimes even in the kingdom of God, we think, well, you know what? I'm just going to give a big sum of money to God. But let me tell you something. If that belongs to God, you better give it. Even if it don't, you better give it. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you'll be blessed. It, you will be blessed. But I'm telling you this. God begins to put things in order in your life. And throughout all the years, he will protect you. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you just don't understand what God is doing. Sometimes you just don't know what's happening in your life. Sometimes you just don't know. But, you know, when you get into that place of discouragement in your life, there's only one place to look, and that's to the Lord. That's to say, God, I need you more than ever before. I don't, I cannot do this alone. I don't understand it. I don't know what I'm going through right now, Lord. Matter of fact, the battle is so strong, I can't bear it. When you lay in the bed at night and you just hold hands and you just wonder, God, what are you doing in our lives? Listen, it's not God's fault, the things that are happening in your life. But God's saying, you know what, don't just lay there underneath that juniper tree. Don't just lay there under that place of, of, of sorrow where you're going to go and complain and cry to yourself and build your own story. He says, come out from there. Then he says, I'm sending you food. I'm sending you drink and take a nap. How many nap takers do we have in this place? Let me tell you something. When I was younger, I married into a nap family, I, except for Pastor Paul. I don't know if you take a nap. Do you take a nap anymore? Just sometimes. You see, you're getting older like me. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I couldn't stand naps when I was a little bit younger. I used to tell Pastor Dustin all the time, Pastor Jones, I said, I'm not taking no nap. I ain't got time for naps. I wish I would have taken naps then. I wouldn't be taking such long naps now. That's the truth. But I believe that God will give you a nap to refresh your mind. He restores you. He gives you dreams. And, man, I tell you what, when I wake up, I've got five new inventions I'm coming out with. I'm telling you what, I wake up, and I'm like, Lord, that sounds good to me. Hallelujah. Now, how can I do it? He says, just wait. I don't like to wait. That's like when that food is getting cooked at that dinner table. I don't want the, all the, my, my wife cooks these, her and her mom's been down visiting us, and, and they've got these meals out there. I mean, I'm talking. Ten-course meals, man. I want to sit down, and, and Marie Jones, let me tell you something. If you don't know anything about when she cooks, she puts that food out, and she wants you to sit down and eat it when it's hot. 
Amen? Let's get it all out at the same time. I don't know how she does it. It's miraculous, but it all comes out at the same time. And when it's sitting there, I want to eat a fresh, hot meal. That's what I feel like when I wake up from a nap. Amen? The anointing of God is upon me. Listen, God will send his blessing upon your life. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. Amen? Pastor Marshall. 